0: From multiple Where the Heart Is locations in Minneapolis or near enough, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development.
1: I'm Ellen Burns
2: Johnson, and I make nice games.
0: I'm Steve McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Karai, I too make nice games. For this week's episode, our topics are the Serious Play Conference and working with family. And so, if everyone's ready, let's start. (laughs) You know, I
3: just realized... Uh-huh. That, um, you know, we have meta stuff in this in our script that we talk
0: about here. Do we? Explain that to me.
3: <laughs> we just like keep track of like random news and things that are going on in our lives. Right. It's an official it's official place that we can waste time on the program. Yes. <laughs> right. And I neglected to add my brother in this
0: meta. <laughs> you mean um, you mean Charles McGregor? Yes, Charles McGregor. Well, hold on. Let's let's get him in here so he can address that directly. Charles.
4: Episode 37, ugly <laughs> and hard to use, July 31st, 2017, one hour, <laughs> 12 minutes and 20 seconds in. My brother, I come from a fighting game background. When oh, no, I lose, he didn't. I'm always looking <laughs> and pro- prove and actually sort of enjoy losing. Weirdly enough, it's a strange way of approaching that. Mark, we should get really get Charles on for a second opinion on that. My brother. <laughs> Oh, because I'm sure he enjoys it, too. That's all he ever gets is losses. Martha. Oh! Oh! Shots fired! Of course. Shots fired, my brother! Wait, no! Don't get him on here because he'll say that he wins sometimes. He'll prove (laughs) that it's not on here. Well, brother! That day is here. Any game of Mario Kart... (laughs) Scratch that. Any racing game, any shooter, you need three people on one team to beat me on Tetris. You see me in that moon fields. I beat you in Elemental, and no duh, I win in dot I am here to set the record straight. My name is Charles McGregor, and this episode was a long time coming. <laughs>
1: To
2: McGregor vs. McGregor 2020, the podcast.
0: Oh, no. Shut the stream off. We're done. That's the episode. We've been holding on to that for <laughs> three years. I can't believe... Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, well, okay. Steven, we're not gonna need your services on the program any longer. I think we have a I think we have a replacement of McGregor.
3: Oh, for real. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> well I
0: all mean, right well um, like we did say this is the time to waste so uh steven would you yeah. like to respond i don't
3: i don't i
0: don't, I don't even exactly. know what to
3: say i did
0: exactly. not expect that all right win win to charles then
3: yeah all right fine you get this this round yeah i guess
0: uh-huh. you enjoy losses now <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. Well, Charles, Uh, we've we've invited you on here, Um, not for that, but we should have, because that's a great reason. That was Um, amazing. Um, But uh, next week, uh, we're going to talk to you about uh, level design. Um, That's going to be a lot of fun. But we thought we'd have you on this episode as well, because we record these all at the same time, Uh, because Stephen chose a topic working with family uh, this week, and we figured we could have more of this friendly banter, Uh, but that's going to be later on in the show. We yeah. do actually have some news to get to. Um, first yes. one is uh, um, and we all were like, what, what happened in the news this week? And one of the big things was Mixer is no more, um, mm-hmm. which I, well, none of us are that into streaming. And so it, it it maybe that's why we forgot. But it's a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, specifically because like now there's I mean, I guess the
3: only competitor on, for Twitch now is Facebook gaming. Which I mean, I don't know about y'all, but I definitely don't. I forget that Facebook Gaming exists. Yeah. Well, it's oh. <laughs> and it's not a yeah.
0: huge player either. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think uh, uh, YouTube gaming. Um, people stream on YouTube, and so that's, oh, that's that that cool. is probably its other main competitor. But in terms of sure. like mm-hmm. a Twitch-style um service, there is no direct competitor. You know. Yeah. Maybe.
3: Maybe I'm thinking about Mixer in that way because, or Facebook Gaming in that way because Mixer the I think the streamers are getting moved over to Facebook gaming, it sounded like. Yeah, mm.
0: Mixer is, uh, in their announcement, they're like, oh, we're going to, to ease this transition. We're going to uh, basically unload a lot of our services and, um, and subscribers to like, just map them to Facebook gaming. I don't know the details, mm. but that was their announcement. And I think a lot of people on uh, Mixer uh, were like, uh, no, thank you. And so they, ju- they all just went to Twitch. Yeah, just by uh, themselves, you know, yeah. and a lot of them are facing difficulties because like Twitch Mixer, um, uh, even though it was pretty small, people did try to make a living on it. And uh, that's, mm-hmm. there were partner status and ad deals and all that sort of thing that the the streaming, um, you know, um, lifestyle is about. And they now just have to completely rebuild it, which is just goes to tell, show you like how dependent you can be on these these services and these companies, mm-hmm. um, yeah. mm-hmm. which this is
2: platforms that gets spun up really quickly because that's how things move these days. And, and then if they don't pan out, they the decision is made within, I mean, how long has Mixter been around? Far less than a decade.
0: Yeah, only mm. a couple of years. It was a service called Beam and it was started as a Twitch <laughs> competitor and it was ba- right. based, based on like just their technology stack was better. That was their pitch, um, which is <laughs> not a good way to get viewers or streamers, frankly. But, it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, a better service, a better product is almost not the wrong, it's the last way to get customers, frankly. Uh-huh. Um, uh but um uh it it the technology was good enough that Microsoft bought them renamed it mixer and mm-hmm. and spent a long time trying to make it viable in the marketplace and so you know it's gone now and microsoft may have to a lot of people's view pulled the plug when they didn't need to or maybe it wasn't time and certainly they have yeah. buckets of money they could have they could have held off right they could have bled mm-hmm. a little longer eh. it, but like i don't know if it weren't for them would it have been a player at all ever i don't know um
2: sorry That was a sarcastic eh on my part. (laughs) Microsoft has money.
0: Oh, yeah. We all know this. Yeah, they they could have just let it just be that way forever. It it is kind of a strange decision because big companies that have these services, um, I mean, I could see Microsoft just wanting to keep it alive just to prevent Twitch from being totally dominant, even if they knew they could never fully compete, which is not an uncommon Mm -hmm. reason for a conglomerate to keep something around. Um, So it is still a little confusing. I think there's... Um, not a lot of answers as to to why, but you know, it's the whims of somebody or some division head or whatever. It's how it goes. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, I think when companies, especially like companies the size of Google or Microsoft, well, not Google, it's Alphabet now, right? Like these, mm-hmm. these, the these companies are so huge sometimes that you know they're seeing trends in just their own businesses that are just not visible to average consumers yep. like us for. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I mean, I'm sure it made sense. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't make sense to us because we don't have the full picture.
0: Right, right. right. Microsoft also closed all their retail stores or announced that they were doing that this week. And oh, I didn't know that. Which is a kind of a shame because yeah. people who ever regularly visited a Microsoft store will tell you how great it is. Mm. Yeah, they are really nice. They're like nice. They have like really incredible mm-hmm. staff and yeah. uh, their, their demos are amazing compared to like a place like Best Buy or something. Mm-hmm. But, you know, who knows how much how profitable it was. To, to maintain a mm-hmm. retail operation. And it could it's just true. be that, you know, oh, this is either breaking even or we're losing a lot of money. We just don't wanna be in this business anymore. Mm-hmm. There's no, that's what happens when you have like a company that had lots of little divisions is that those divisions don't have their own motivations. It's, it's all mm-hmm. from the top. And so as much as it can be useful to have, be part of a larger group and and benefit from all those resources, um, you don't, that your, um, your place in the market, your sense of what, how to compete, is completely warped uh, of, yeah. from a normal way of doing things. And so um, just Microsoft, two high profile examples, it really teaches that lesson.
4: Yeah. With uh, Microsoft, mm-hmm. uh, they actually did say that they were going to close the Microsoft stores next year um, mm-hmm. uh, oh. to get past the holiday season because the Xbox Series X is coming out. Um, oh, interesting. But okay. Because of uh, the pandemic that's mm-hmm. going on, they were like, oh, we had, we had to rush it um, in order to justify uh, staying open and stuff
0: yeah 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 mm-hmm. huh interesting i didn't know that that was pre- that anything related to that was previously announced
4: or uh, it wasn't previously announced it was like an internal thing that they were going to do that
0: oh okay so you're mm-hmm. saying that it is now plans have changed and we're learning it for the first time now yeah oh, yeah, like, okay. yeah okay interesting oh uh, yeah because i think a lot of people react to like wait a minute they have a big consumer push this this holiday what a weird time yeah but <laughs> um yeah i don't know Hmm. Uh, Speaking of streaming and speaking of Twitch, I guess um, (laughs) (laughs) it's a little bit of a segue Uh, Twitch has been uh, maybe they've been made an effort to ban some problematic streamers uh, rather than just case by case. They're actually going through and seeing if they can weed out um, troublemakers, which is about the most generous description I can have for them. (laughs) Yeah, this is new, right? It
3: is like I uh, well, it's not surprising that like Twitch is banned. Small time streamers. I don't think that the actual so a lot of the streamers that were banned were not small time per se. Yeah. But like, you wouldn't have heard them in a casual setting. Um. In in many instances, mm-hmm. until um Doctor Disrespect, who is one of the most famous Twitch streamers, got banned. Um. And he's been notorious for doing a whole lot of uh, not good things. Yeah. Like, you know, like he, uh, filmed in the bathroom or something. Like. Yeah. Anyways, a bunch of, yeah, a bunch of bad stuff. We don't have to go into it exactly, but...
2: Handle his doctor disrespect, like, I... Yeah,
0: (laughs) exactly. This is the the time where I have to, like, say that the thing about streaming that's good is that it gives access to everybody, but the thing about streaming that's bad is it gives access to everybody. Yeah. Yes. Because you really have to be like, okay, streaming has allowed for public personalities that have come from marginalized communities break through the sort of gatekeeping barriers, but then Mm -hmm. also you have loud angry stupid white guys with like caveman opinions yeah becoming popular and growing that part of our culture as a result of this and i don't know if it's on on balance is if it's good or bad ultimately it's it's kind of like social media in general Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's true Uh, yeah absolutely yeah but twitch is trying to find the the and when we say like problematic we're talking about people who um you know promote conspiracy theories who have a history of um, either uh, sexual assault in their personal lives or um, on their in their streaming content would be something that would violate terms of service or would, uh, you know, promote uh, uh, things that would that would maybe embarrass Twitch um, yeah. if we're being as cynical about it as possible. And Dr. Disrespect got banned and no one knows why from where we're recording this. Right. But rumors is it perhaps had something to do with that. I don't care personally. Uh, I don't care about being really delicate about it. Like, I don't care if mm-hmm. we slander the guy because he's kind of a garbage person. But like, it's yeah. not been shown that it has had anything to do with that. Um, just right. that it's yeah. supposedly a bad thing that happened, and that's kind of mm-hmm. what's weird about this is this is a part of culture that is really far removed from how we normally think of as media operations you know yeah. but there it is like a whole section like there are like youtube
3: news channels and stuff where like they report not just like things that are happening in the news but like things that are happening on YouTube, yeah, news about YouTube in the youtube community mm-hmm. so it is it's kind of weird especially because like like, yeah, if you're not a part of that, you just miss out on, you don't see all of, You don't see a lot of like that influence, how much that can influence people. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that it's, I think it's good that Twitch is doing, making these efforts. I mean, it would have been better if they had made these efforts when stuff came to light
0: earlier. But yeah,
1: mm-hmm.
0: part of it being very niche culturally, mm-hmm. I think allows allowed Twitch and and YouTube as well to get away with hosting content that is questionable because it serves a niche audience and so it can just go mm-hmm. under the radar while being extremely popular within that audience. And yeah. I think uh, I you you made the point. It's kind of like about time um and I think people are finally taking them to task and maybe tip that balance towards a positive uh influence of, for these sort of gatekeeperless uh um, yeah. services.
2: These uh platforms I mean Twitch, YouTube, social media broadly, everything's so segmented. It's really easy to get a focus on the thing that you've got in front of you and mm-hmm. normalize that as representative of the entire platforms community. But that, as we learned over the past several years, kind of publicly, you've just got a tiny slice.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, it's just like trying to take your own experiences as a person and generalize them to large groups of humans. It doesn't, yeah, you have to You have to really take a dedicated effort to look at the broader picture. And And I'm glad that platforms are taking responsibility for that. Yeah. Yeah. That
0: well, uh Charles, do you have anything to violently disagree with your brother about?
3: <laughs> on this topic? Yeah, do you have uh, an opinion? This? Round two. <laughs>
4: <laughs> round two. Fight. <laughs> no. Uh, um, uh, it's good that they are definitely uh like cracking down on this uh again, better late than never. Mm. Um but uh I know that there's like this uh disconnect for people who don't engage with like twitch or youtube or things like that and like you said bro a lot of people there's like a a large audience of people like that have millions of subscribers or followers or uh Mm -hmm. and things like that that if you just said it to somebody just on the street they'd be like who Mm right that is one way that they can go under the uh, radar um and yeah it's it's definitely like a uh an interesting i don't necessarily think it's an interesting balance it's just a It's a thing that if you just like if you go at the uh, just under the surface of like Twitch or uh, YouTube, then you can see like, oh, there's like this huge, you know, it's the huge iceberg of uh, a community um, under there. And yeah, it's it's unfortunate that any of this stuff happened to like people or like uh, they these people have been in uh, positions of like power slash influence, but better late than never in terms of uh, being able to to crack down on that.
0: Mm. yeah better late than never but then hopefully it should let us know let what else w- will we say next year better late than never let's see if we can get a jump on yeah. right yeah, yeah right exactly Ooh. hopefully that will spur the people who have who can do something about that and those of us who can raise our voices about it um to get that you know in the conversation before yeah. it's better late than never
3: mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's good
0: um
3: uh, well you we just we talked about a serious topic. We should talk about serious play now, too.
2: Okay, that was nice. We're getting better at <laughs> <Yeah>. this.
3: <laughs> I, I, you know, we've been quarantined for so long. I've just been writing down transition. <laughs> nice. <laughs> we
0: it's all good. have to get good at something while we're locked away. <laughs> right. Oh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, okay, so serious games. Um, The serious play conference was this last week. And I attempted to go. And there were just so many roadblocks this year <laughs> to me yeah. getting there.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, the So the Serious Play Conference is a conference that happens annually in New York. It was uh, created in 2009. And this year it wasn't in New York because conferences don't happen the way they used to. Right. Uh, and they experimented with taking the conference online and doing a digital version. There was a lot going on. The session list was there you know for every single block of time there were like five or six sessions to choose from it was yeah it was there was a lot of content and the conference itself ran for three days and then they had evening workshops and they had pre-conference and post-conference workshops it was big
3: yeah that's huge
2: (laughs) yeah and so they you know they lined up people to they had like different tracks going it was it was quite the production and Mm. i think Um, I think for the most part, I I definitely experienced in the sessions I was able to attend, I experienced some technical challenges that came from the conference end, but the main technical challenges came from my end because this week, an ISP that I will not name, but I'm sure everyone can guess, (coughs) decided that (laughs) I didn't need internet at home. Oh, good. Which is just not true for anyone right now. Everyone needs internet at home. Yeah. So we try to get on the phone and they're like, we can't send anyone out to you unless your internet's down at the moment that you call. Uh, And oh, if it happens to be down at the moment that you call the schedule, we're also going to check it when the technician's about to come out. And if it's back up, they won't come out. Yeah. It was pretty rough. Um, But I was able to make a couple sessions. And the other thing, too, and this is the cool thing about online conferences, right? Everything is recorded. Yeah. So the conference admission which was less expensive since it was online, um, also comes with access to all of the recordings of all the 100 plus sessions that were available. So oh, I'm, really, yeah. I'm really excited about that because now I'm going to be able to kind of not really attend because it won't be the same as being there live and actually being able to chat and, and ask questions to those presenters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll be able to go and, and view all the, conf- or the sessions that I wanted to attend. I don't have to choose between this one and that one. I can go to both. And it's always nice to be able to pause. So, yeah. So I thought I would uh, go ahead and go through at least kind of what the serious games industry looks like right now. I've been on the I think I was on the show a couple of years ago talking about it briefly, but things develop quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then talk a little bit about the line above sessions that I'm hoping to watch. Yeah. I want to say attend, but (laughs) I won't
1: because
2: it's not attending. It's watching. (laughs) Okay. so some cool stuff that kind of comes to the fore when Conferences like this are being advertised. as like what what industry are they representing? Why is that industry worthy of having a conference? Like what you know, they, they'll post industry stats in kind of a in a in a play to get people interested. And in doing that, the stats become really really easy to find. So there is a I think an annual po- report by an agency called Matari, and I'll we'll link to this in the in the show notes, but. They've been putting out kind of an annual game-based learning industry forecast and analysis every year. And they have basically been saying that by 2025, the serious games industry is going to be, I think, around $30 billion in annual sales. Um, And compared to now, that's looking at like a 27% annual growth rate. To kind of give you a comparison, from what I understand, the console market is around like 10% or Thereabouts, maybe a little lower, maybe a little higher. Um, now consoles are a lot bigger. Gaming overall is much bigger than twenty eight point eight billion. Um, to give you kind of a comparison, like the overall gaming industry, whatever you'd consider to be a, a digital game, I think is in it's like one hundred and fifty billion for two thousand nineteen globally. It's it's big, right? Mobile right. mobile as a segment of that is sixty eight billion. So serious games or game based learning. Still not uh, as big as those other segments, but
0: uh, it's growing really, really quickly. Mm-hmm. And bigger than I think a lot of people would guess, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, there's there's some interesting questions that you probably have to ask when you're looking at that data. Um, what constitutes a serious game? Was it a game that was made for entertainment purposes and then was like converted in some instances to classroom work? There are some groups who've been doing that with Portal, for example, but mm-hmm. I don't think that the developers of Portal, I don't think Valve was saying, all right, we're going to teach people about physics with this game, right? That wasn't their intention. And maybe that's one way of kind of breaking it down. I'll, you know, we'll link the report and you can dig into that on your own. Yeah. Point, point being, it's big already and it's growing really, really fast.
3: Have Have you defined a serious game?
2: Not on this session. Let's do that really quick. Yeah. <laughs> So again, like there, you're going to find probably different definitions in the breakdown of the sales data that I just talked about. Mm-hmm. But the way that I have seen serious games defined is, and I'll, I'll link to some more specific academic descriptions here that everyone can look over and pick apart, but it's basically the use of a game to teach um, yeah. or to build skills. And that's not the same as gamification. Right. Um, with gamification, you're taking game, you know, game mechanics, you're pulling them out of the context of a game and you're putting them into a different context, a non game context to try to motivate people, usually. Mm -hmm. And you're doing that through competition or you're doing that through, um, exploration and they're, you're just looking at those mechanics more in isolation applied to a non-game context. Game, game-based game learning or serious games. I prefer game-based learning because I think you can have game-based learning experiences that are super not serious. I don't yeah. know why. It definitely is a shorter... It's a shorter phrase. Yeah. There are fewer syllables in serious games, but, like, I don't know.
0: It's definitely one of those phrases that people are like, I know what you mean, but that's not a great name. Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs>
2: Like I know what you mean, but gaming overall is a hundred and fifty billion dollar industry. That's pretty serious.
0: <laughs>
5: yeah,
2: <laughs> like, right, right, right. Regardless of whether the content is serious. Mm. Like, yeah, anyway.
0: I think the biggest problem is that it says that other types of things are not quote unquote serious. Mm. Right. Yeah. And, and ultimately it's just it just becomes a piece of vocab. And it but yeah. it it's hard to if you don't know what it is, it's hard to not be like, hey like be a little offended by it almost mm-hmm. yeah
2: for yeah. sure well and i th- the i think the the term serious games really came out as a way to try to get this idea of the serious corporate executive or the serious right. um the serious agency director or military leader to consider games as a means of helping their people learn right
0: to take it seriously right
2: yeah to take it seriously but i i just mm. It, I don't know. It lacks nuance. I yeah, I'm not a big fan of the term "serious yeah. games." Right, right. But yeah, so serious games is when you're taking a game and you're you're using it for an educational or for a training purpose. Sure. And I think game-based learning you can take you can take games that were not made for the purpose of training or instructing, and then use them for that purpose. Or, and this is, I think, one of the things that's really driving that growth. You can create a game with the purpose of educating, with the purpose of instructing or, or training. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of just the overlap with what I do uh, in that. And I think that's where there's just a ton of interest. And I think where a lot of the growth is coming from, because games are very, very complicated. Learning can be complicated. And this is kind of a frontier that people are trying to figure out. It's not like, it's not to say that only now are people exploring games for learning like everyone's played Oregon Trail right so you yeah. this has been around for a while mm-hmm. but as a, as an organ, you know as a an industry that has started starting to become self-organized um, that is starting to create its own design discipline it's really starting to emerge i think within the last 10 10 15 years so it's really cool to watch and you get a lot of really cool mixes of people and topics in these in these conferences so I want to just kind of read, read for you a really like a smattering of titles from these sessions okay. to give you a sense of what is there. And then I'll just kind of point to some of the ones that I'm hoping to be able to watch. So there's the keynote by Russ Schilling. Um, and it the tech keynote was titled Pandemics to Psychological Health. What developing games can teach us about social impact?
0: Oh, okay.
2: And I think there's also something about Muppets in there.
0: (laughs) Is that the full title?
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's Pandemic, Psychological Health, and Muppets, What Developing Games Can Teach Us About Social Impact.
4: Okay. Okay, there you go. That tracks, yep.
2: For sure watching that one.
4: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: Um, Complexity and how it applies to learning. So this talk was by a man named Garth Jensen. And he has done some work with the Navy Department of Defense and the federal government to become, you know, to help them become more aware of complexity. And so I think his talk is going to talk is going to go through a little bit about how games are a good way to explore complexity in a way that is kind of, well, predictable. Yeah. Um, which totally makes sense, right? Like, you don't necessarily think about the games that you play that way. But if you're trying to min-max something, if you're trying to really break down the statistics, if you're online and you're going to the wikis and you're contributing to loot tables and figuring out probabilities, like that's complexity. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's an example of of learning complexity and breaking it down and trying to make sense of it. Deep learning for serious games and simulations. So that's AI.
3: Oh, yeah. Okay.
2: Yep. There's a great one called Teach Like a Dungeon Master, How RPGs Can Transform Education. Hmm. How games work well for healthcare training.
3: Dang, these all sound really good. <laughs> really, really good, yeah.
2: right? But you can, and here's a couple of really, these are a couple that I really wanted to, to go to or listen to. Mm-hmm. Assessing the neurodynamics of uncertainty during serious play. Okay. <laughs> right?
3: I didn't understand half those words.
2: <laughs> I know. It's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> operational VR from play to simulation to military operational use dang dang right (laughs) so i think that's a good sample of like there's just such a broad group of people that are coming to these to this conference you've got people who are in k-12 education and you have people who are using vr to train people in the military
5: Mm -hmm.
2: for what i'm not sure i'm gonna listen to the session and i'll find out Mm -hmm. but it's it's just a really cool i think convergence of Different applications yeah. exploring, you know, this one way of influencing the human mind to do things in certain ways. And that's pretty cool.
3: Yeah. It, so this thing has been going on for eleven years. Have you gone to previous conferences?
2: I have not been able to ah, go now. Okay.
3: Okay. Dang. I was gonna ask if you had, like if that was the experience in the past too. Like yeah. um, if the if the if you felt like the conversations that were happening were relatively diverse in terms of skill sets and stuff too.
2: Um, you know, the, the great thing about this site, and I think about this conference in general, they have some, they have like, they have programs listed on their website from a couple years back, so. Oh,
3: okay. That's cool.
2: I know. So I'm actually on the website now, and I'm going to pull up the 2018 program and see if I can get anything.
3: Uh, 2018. It feels like 10 years ago. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, simpler time. Yep. Yeah, I've been trying to. I've been trying to go for a few years, and uh, mm-hmm. it's just been difficult during the summer. And it right. was, it's obviously difficult to go anywhere now. Yeah,
3: yeah, and then like summer is conference season. Like, yeah, a, mm-hmm. a lot of the conferences yeah. are happening in June, July, August, so it's, it's hard to pick and choose which ones you want to go to. Mm-hmm. And everybody's trying to go out, so that makes sense. Is the right. conference relatively? Is it expensive?
2: Well, you know, okay. so actually I was going to say it's under a thousand and I'm like, that's actually kind of expensive. They actually had different pricing tiers depending on which or which type of organization you're was sponsoring your attendance or Mm -hmm. if you had an organization at all. So I think for me going as a member of the company I work for, it was like 500. Okay, For the virtual conference, but it was that was the second most expensive tier if oh, I remember wow. correctly. So it actually went it went down from there. So like if you were a member of a, an uh, an educational institution, um, uh, secondary education or post-secondary, then it was less expensive. If you were an indie developer, it was even less expensive. If you were a student, it was even less expensive. So okay. um, I think they did a really good job of kind of creating a a tiered approach to pricing that seemed fair.
0: Yeah, that's good. Yeah, we've yeah. complained in the past about how expensive GDC is. And yeah. I think one of the things we don't talk about because we're usually just complaining about GEC is that um, uh, it is expensive to put these things on. And very frequently you'll there'll be Mm -hmm. criticism about like not paying speakers or not providing like uh, travel accommodations. But the smaller a conference is the I think the more difficult it is to put on because your overhead is pretty high out the gate. And then mm-hmm. it gets cheaper the larger you are, in a, in a sense. Yeah. Right? So, mm-hmm. so uh, for smaller uh, segments of of the industry, uh, Ellen, you sort of described it. Having a system like that allows you to kind of like, you know, lean on some of those companies that can afford it to pay, you know, some proper money for it, but mm-hmm. hopefully not uh, restricting access to people who could va- who could uh, find value in in the content. Um, mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. For sure. And there's there's this looks like there's so much valuable content there. Um, And just looking from the last couple of years, like there's, I think, an equally varied breadth of topics and approaches in the 2018 conference schedule as well. So the kind of the way they've done this is they've kind of broken it down into different tracks. So Mm -hmm. like there's corporate healthcare, There's like a game design. I think there's higher ed or just education, government, military. And they have a different breakdown this year, I believe. But they've made it like one of the coolest things I've seen. On a conference website, <laughs> you can just sc- scroll through the whole thing and you press like a star button and it tells you which one you're going to go to. It's just nice. It's nicely ah, done.
0: Cool. That's good. Yeah. That's rare for a conference schedule. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh,
4: it's really good to uh, hear that. I've, I guess, I've put my feet in the pool of uh, education games and in, uh, in learning and things uh, because I was in uh, college, I was like a, a, a VR. AR assistant uh, mm-hmm. and I was working with a bunch of like professors who were like oh yes yeah, so I want to have video games inside of my uh classroom and things like that mm-hmm. um and the the change from when I first started doing that to the last year that I was doing that was already I was like oh you actually want to like include like have video games and include that and, and put that in your learning rather than yes I want to game of uh, gamify whatever mm-hmm. my teaching thing is yeah um, right And, yeah, just hearing that list of things uh, is just, like, incredible that uh, there's so many different, like, studies and and so many different, uh, like, avenues that you can go down. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's just, it seems like, and it's just the beginning of, of, we're just scratching the surface, I think, still about how games can be used as gateways into different content unrelated to the Serious Play Conference, but just, you know, I was making my way through my backlog of GDC talks that I Mm. have on, you know, that are published on YouTube that I want to get to. And there was a great one uh, from the developer of Headliners. Mm. And they won a silver award at the 2019 Serious Play Conference for their work on this game. And it's a great talk. I mean, again, not from from the Serious Play Conference, but it's obviously topical. Uh, The way that he talked about how the game and the mechanics and the narrative in the game were used kind of as gateways into just, you know, for people, for players to to see and then discuss and reflect upon patterns of media manipulation. That's the gate. That's what the game is about is about media manipulation. Then the, the specific design decisions he made to like, make certain things more abstract and certain things more realistic. And he wanted if he wanted to explore the dynamics of one current real media topic, how do to we do that in the game by changing some of the vocabulary, but keeping some of the social dynamics the same? Uh-huh. Really, really interesting stuff. And I think you know, we're really just scratching the surface of how games can can be a gateway for formal learning. Because as I think I've said on the show before, and if not, I'm gonna say it now, all games are learning. Right. Very true. Yeah.
3: Very, very, very true.
2: You can't just turn off the learning part of your brain, and in fact, you actually do quite. You're, you're very dependent upon that part of your brain while you're playing a game because right, right. you're learning the game.
0: Mm-hmm. It just frequently is incidental to the goal of the designer, right? Yeah. Whereas in serious games, it's something you actually are aiming for, and it's so. When I was younger, one of my first jobs out of college was doing. Um, Uh, making Flash games for educational purposes, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a lot of these were real, real bad, right? Yeah. And the the knowledge uh, was uh, in that field was a lot less then. But also, um, you know, there was no institutional support for the work I was doing. So it was Mm -hmm. clients who wanted to have like, this is a lot of stuff aimed at at kids too. So um, um, I think like um, I did one with Smokey the Bear, like, you know. uh, (laughs) Yeah. uh, Where someone making their way through a camping trip and then mini games along the way to teach them sort of smoky the Bear concepts. And mm-hmm. um, I remember I, I was just so out at sea for a lot of that stuff because um, I was thinking like, okay, well, I, it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to teach these lessons. But a lot of times the content they would give me would be no better than like a, a multiple choice quiz. It'd mm-hmm. um, yeah. be here's some content. Now here, let's test that. And um, it ended up being like, well, is this, is this gameplay mechanics now a barrier to learning? rather mm-hmm. than a way to facilitate the learning. And, right. and not being able to play test it in a way that tested for those outcomes was really difficult. Because it, mm-hmm. what's, in, what's interesting about when you're talking about the, the types of sessions and the types of audiences and types of speakers at a conference like this is that um, they have that expertise for the outcomes they're looking for. Whereas I think mm-hmm. of like when a lot of times uh, game designers who either uh, dip into this field um, or have a lot of experience with them like play testing, it you easily forget that the goal of playtesting for a game designer generally is in service of the same outcome, which is which is the, ex, the enjoyment of the experience or the expression of your artistic intent. And mm-hmm. yeah. it, very rarely to go beyond that. And so we're so focused on that that we forget that there's any other way uh, to gear an experience towards. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sometimes gearing it in those ways can be detrimental. And so, like, I think we... Ellen, I think you've criticized, like, gamification... As a as a ideology, because it's just in service of like making some bo- something boring fun, but that's like not really the 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 attempts to make. But I think I think something like those kinds of topics would be very beneficial, even to people who are not interested in making a serious game, right? Mm-hmm. Just to get a better yeah. understanding of the vocabulary of how games work on your brain.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Well, yeah, one of, like one of the things that w- I wish we as developers were better at is like the onboarding experience for players, because I think that a lot of people who are picking up the triple A games have the understanding of how a triple A game plays. Like they know how a first person shooter works and how to aim and look down the sites and shoot and all that other stuff. But like, if you've never had any of that experience playing a game, it's really difficult for you to start playing any of these new games Mm -hmm. that are coming out because like, you don't have that previous experience. So I, I, uh, I think it would be interesting to like, look at how, uh, some of these games that are purposely purposely made to teach you something um, and to teach you something, you know, uh, with outside skills um, and like, look at that um, from a perspective for making uh, entertainment uh, focused games instead. Mm -hmm. Um, Because like, I I think that's something that I think that's something that we're really lacking. Like there's a whole audience of people out there who would play a game if it wasn't so complicated for
2: them. For sure. I mean, like, I think many gamers who play consoles, who play PC games, Mm -hmm. grew up with them and kind of grew with the industry. And so they started with simpler technology and they got more skilled with playing games as the technology required more skill. And now if you're just going to jump in from literally standstill to play something on the PS4... It's a little overwhelming because, right. and Mark, you bring this up a lot. Like the language of games
5: yeah.
2: is—it's a there's a well developed vocabulary, and if you don't speak that language, you'll be as lost trying to navigate a game as you would trying to navigate a city that is in a different country with a different language. That was a lot smoother in my head.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we get we get the gist, though. Yeah, yeah. you get what I mean. Yeah. <laughs>
2: This is something we can maybe, you know, we can maybe do a nice games jam with about this, I think, sometime. But uh, the way that I've been, the way that I think about it is when you're trying to design a game to drive towards a specific learning or behavior outcome. Yeah. You want to look at the dynamics. So you if you're familiar with the MDA framework, we'll link to it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. It's the me- mechanics, dynamics, and aesthetics. Mm-hmm. And your mechanics are like the rules and the dynamics are like the gameplay and interactions that emerge from those rules in action. And the aesthetics are aesthetics. Um, if you want to use a game, you got to make sure that the dynamics of your game line up with the dynamics of the learning outcome you want. The other pieces can, can be a little bit more fluid, but it's, if you really want a, a strong outcome for your learning game, the dynamics have to be aligned with what, what you want your outcome to be. Um, And usually in life, other than testing, you don't have to do multiple choice questions. Mm -hmm. Usually you do have to make decisions. But like life is more complex than a multiple choice question, despite what Black Mirror would have you think. (laughs) (laughs) So when you're when your mechanics are multiple choice and your dynamics are get a lot of multiple choice questions, right? It's just not that compelling because it's there's that's not real life. Like, let's do better. Yeah. Yeah. So, Stephen, how are we going to transition to the next topic?
6: As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.
7: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? (laughs) Shopify.
1: You know what i love y'all
3: no
2: writing games your brother
4: uh no. <laughs> we've already we no. don't
3: call me out in the middle of the podcast charles hey.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well
3: okay i'm talking about feedback i love feedback and we have this nice nice games club feedback form that you can fill out at nice slash feedback and we can use that feedback to iterate off of what you give us and so we can improve the podcast and make it better for you to listen so
0: Charles, um, that's another way you can get at. It. <laughs> this is true. Dang it, what Charles, was, you're not
4: allowed. What was, that, uh, what was that URL again? I just want to really quick write that down. Nicegames.club/feedback. Okay, can I hear that one more time? Wait, here, I just gotta just one more. <laughs> Go ahead. Yep.
3: Nicegames.club/feedback.
4: All right, thanks, thanks, th- thanks so much. You will see something in the in the cool the the internet sphere cool cool i'm glad i'm glad all right well
2: (laughs) we might read charles comments on the show no Nope. yes not doing that that
4: sounds like a great idea
2: (laughs) and if not charles comments maybe other listeners comments (laughs)
1: there you go yeah that that sounds better
3: sounds like a good transition um my topic is working with family and uh charles is here on the show and he gets on my nerves
0: so just overall is this is this pro or con <laughs> <laughs> what's, your, what's your what's your position um it depends on who your family
4: is <laughs> <laughs> still up in the air for us clearly
3: <laughs> yeah i guess yeah i mean we've been working on a game for what almost seven years now I don't know how
0: um, we are still living today, frankly. Um, (laughs) Yeah, there you go. You're
2: still talking.
1: I do. We are. You're still family.
0: Both of you have uh, done other, have uh, produced and made and released other games in the meantime. Yeah. I wonder (laughs) if that is, I mean, certainly it's delayed perhaps the game you're working on together, but perhaps it also saved both of your lives. That's (laughs) a good point. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very good point. Yes,
4: these are the true (laughs) statements.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it's
2: kind of a given right now. Everyone's in different places. But just to confirm, you guys are not like you guys are going through this pandemic in separate locations, right?
3: Yes. 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 I have my own apartment and my brother is not here. So,
2: Okay. so no matter what (laughs) Steven says, Charles won't be able to hit him.
4: That's true. No, it's a shame. The other way around where he hits me in the shoulder. Yeah, well, good job.
3: That's that's fascinating, too, because Charles is getting all of the, like, jabs in and stuff, and I can't mm-hmm. hit him for it. And- <laughs> ah,
0: great. Because that's so, the way you uh, debate is, him? <laughs> this, this, no. He says I, something witty, and you just whack him on the shoulder? <laughs> <and he's> like, <laughs> Good job. Whack. I mean, that's not the full story. See? Sometimes I get yeah. jabs in. I don't know. I mean, you're the older brother. Yeah, so. this is my job. I'm supposed yeah. to <laughs> I'm not
4: supposed to hit him. Oh, this is not. Oh my goodness! Okay, Um, well, I wasn't going that far. Just keep going, bro. Don't don't hit your family. Uh
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll save you guys with a serious question. Yes. (laughs) Um. So before you started working on games together, had you done any other type of creative stuff? Like things that you would need to plan and execute. Had you done any like meaningful execution on projects and stuff together before you um, started games, or you're like, we're just going to jump into this really difficult medium and <laughs> we'll make it work?
3: <laughs> well, it's interesting you bring it up because like we, when, well, when we were much younger, like I was, a, was I eleven and you were ten or something, Charles? We uh, we tried to I'll work go. on it. Yeah, we tried to work on a game together, but I I discovered at eleven that I hate programming, um, and that hatred exists to the, to this day. Uh, <laughs> I didn't do you a
0: lot of good cuz you're a professional programmer but okay. I know, right. That's yeah. exactly.
3: I don't know what I was thinking now or in the, or in the past. But we tried to work on stuff and like it didn't quite work out because I think our skill sets. I mean, we, we didn't have developed skill sets. I guess Charles had always wanted to be a game dev.
4: Okay. Well, okay. Yes, I didn't yeah. want to be a game dev at that point. Charles is a oh. genius
3: at 10 years old. Thank you finally
4: <laughs> the recognition that I deserve. <laughs> Uh, um, no, uh, yeah, it, it was an interesting thing because, yeah, it was when you were like figuring out, oh, I really don't like programming. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I really want to dive deeper into all this stuff. Yep. Um, so it was me pestering you to want to do things. Uh, where I was like, uh, oh, yeah, I have this idea for Fort. Uh, it's the game, mm-hmm. yeah. it was inspired by Super Smash Brothers Melee's, uh, what is it? Green, uh, what's, uh, what's the Kirby stage?
3: Oh, green greens.
4: Yeah, green greens. It's
3: just the same word twice.
4: Yeah, it's the same word twice. How did I, <laughs> uh-huh. I remember that? I know, uh, but but yeah. So we had like uh, we had this idea because we were doing some weird in game battle thing where we had uh were we both like fox or something people that can shoot out projectiles. and yeah. we were fighting on the two uh fort stage or like block areas, and was like, mm-hmm. oh, what if we made this into a game?
3: Yeah, I had completely forgotten that that's what the inspiration for that game was
4: oh yeah <laughs> huh okay yeah and then i was like yeah let's keep on doing this let's keep working on this and then you eventually uh, were like ah, i don't like programming yep mm.
3: <laughs> so i guess like we had tried to work on a project in the past and like we were both brothers so like we kind of like played games together and some of those games involved storytelling mm-hmm, yeah. um, so arguably that was uh, a project we had worked together in but like we didn't like Explicitly, seriously, work on a game together until actually until we started working on Vengeance. I think,
5: mm-hmm.
3: yeah. Um, but like uh, the way that we have it, uh, split up the roles is Charles he does the art and the music for the game, and then I do the programming. Which why I've been making this decision for many years. Why do I keep <laughs> doing this? Um, so I decided I wanted to program, um, and I just do the programming or part of the programming, and then Lane does the other part. Mm-hmm. And the way that like we've been doing that project. Vengeance has worked out OK, except that, like, I think our family dynamics leak into our working behaviors together in that, yeah. like, Charles will pester me about a thing and I'll get annoyed and ignore him. Um yeah. And specifically, he's pestering me about art and I uh, art is a art is a language I don't understand, you know. So, like, I, I've gotten a be- I've gotten a lot better of it as of late, but, like, it, it takes me a while to get up the motivation to even. Start thinking about art things, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like it has been hard for me to talk with Charles about it because like he'll like bring up terms and things I don't understand, and I get frustrated. Uh,
4: yeah, like what do you want Gwen to be? And then you're like, Yeah, I don't know. It's like I don't
3: know. Stop <laughs> asking me this I, question.
4: Oh yeah, <laughs> so hard.
2: Some animal from the ocean, obviously. <laughs> come on, yeah. Geez.
4: <laughs> um... Gosh, Charles. Come on. <laughs> Go pick, on, pick up the pace. Obviously, that's
3: what I'm saying. Um, but like we we've ended up establishing a work pattern so that like Charles just comes to me with like really important pressing question questions or like goes to Lane about like art things. Because like, that yeah, I think works better. For us. <laughs> yeah. um, but I mean, it also has allowed us to, you know, because we argue all the time, um, we are a lot more. Ex- I think we're a lot more expressive than like maybe people who, you know, are just coworkers workers um, mm-hmm. about our opinions about things. And I think that's made the game better for it as a result.
0: Hmm. Right, you, yeah. you saved yourself that point of like, oh, I don't want to make him upset, but I, def- I, ha- I have to address this thing I'm not happy about or disagree with. Yeah. You can yeah. just be like, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and just like yeah. get right to it. Yeah, definitely. But, but, you, but, but you've said one of the downsides, which is that uh, you, because it's, it's so easy for you to just be combative, that mm-hmm. that can produce results, but it could also delay action. Yeah, definitely.
4: That has happened uh, before where, well, I guess this is me coming from the side of, yes, brother, you should do this thing. And then my Mm -hmm. brother was like, no, because you're you, Charles. And then I'm like, well, and then like, yeah, a year and a half later, it's like, oh, yeah, (laughs) I've probably done that. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Okay. That
0: happens a lot. You both joked uh, on the show, but also, Uh you know, just out in the world about like about, you know, your uh, propensity to argue. But mm-hmm. um, do you find that it actually uh, makes bad habits sometimes? Because, like you described, like it takes goes on a while. Do you find that when you fight about something like a mechanic or a, or like should it should this be yellow or green, like something very specific, do you find that you end up becoming more invested in like being right or like enjoying the fight mm-hmm. less than actually mm-hmm. coming up with a solution? Yeah, uh, I I have found that to happen sometimes. Yeah, that's very true. yeah
4: yeah. Um, or as uh we've been working on Finchins uh longer, I think that, that that has died down a lot. Uh, yeah. where like before, yeah, we would just totally just fight and then we'd be like, We're in the middle of a fight, forget why we're fighting, but then just <laughs> continue fighting um, <laughs> Which is great. It just feels awesome. But um uh but yeah, uh, when it when it comes to us like talking about um like yeah, I wanna talk about oh, what about the this UI thing over here? And then my brother's like, I don't really have much of an opinion on this or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier for us to be like, okay, that's that's okay, uh because I am doing somewhat like separate work. Uh we don't have to argue on certain points as mm-hmm. often uh, unless there's like overlap. Like uh, we were working on the unlock system uh in vengeance and mm-hmm. one of the things that we or the way that I or had proposed was a different way than what uh, my brother had in his mind. And that was where, like, oh, there's a little bit of overlap. Uh, we're both coming at it from uh, two different perspectives and stuff. And we were able to not just, like, not just argue, but we were uh, we were able to, like, talk it out, figure out what exactly makes the most sense and, mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely a double-edged sword. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, sometimes, you know, when we get in an argument, sometimes we just do enjoy arguing. So then we <laughs> just continue.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yep. One of the things you mentioned early on in this conversation, Stephen, is like, you know, the the multitude of things that you have to do. And this is true for all indie devs, right? Like you have to really become a practitioner of multiple different disciplines or at least someone who is willing to jump in without Mm. a lot of formal training. And I think that creates a lot of context switching. I think that's one of the things that can slow down development is when you have to really switch your mind over from, all right, I'm programming and I have to get myself to like it, even though supposedly I don't. And then you're getting asked an art question and you have to like basically turn off one part of your brain and boot up another one. Yes. That costs time. It's really, yes. really difficult. Uh-huh. But one thing, one thing that I think is often overlooked as an element of context switching is the people that you're working with. And when you are working with one individual and then you're switching and you're working with a different individual, that also causes context switching. So I'm it's right. just interesting to hear you guys talk about this because you're so used to each other as siblings that, you know, to actually work together, it's like this weird, like reverse kind of sounds like it's I wonder if you have to like reverse your context a little bit like, OK, yeah, this is Charles, my brother. But right now he's Charles, my coworker and colleague. And so I have to make sure that I'm not just arguing because I like to argue with Charles.
3: <laughs> yeah, I I do have to, like, keep that in mind. Yeah, because, like I will you know i mean i feel like i've been doing that more and more whenever i talk to him because like we're in public sometimes (laughs) but um (laughs) and so like i'll be like why am i bickering about this this i always i always get self-conscious about that because like people have it's it's we can't hide it um people are bringing it up all the time and so like i I feel i feel self-conscious about it because like i think that people get annoyed by it but i think a lot of people just find it entertaining I guess, yeah, write us back if, if you find this entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <Yes,
4: please laughs> send all your Twitter responses at Nice Games Club.
3: <laughs> <laughs> not at Tribe Games. That
4: no, mean? not at, at Leonix3. <laughs>
3: no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there
3: you go. Um, but one thing I have found to be very helpful with respect to me and Charles is having a third person to, to mediate things. I think that, like, that is kind of helpful in general because, like, it helps add the divine. Like, just
0: having another mm-hmm. person there keeps you on task, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So does Lane serve as a mediator or does he ab- just absorb both of you? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. it's helpful to have an, another person. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. but the person you have has his own style, skills, interests and is going to weigh in with one person more than the other on certain issues. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. you can't rely on him to be an objective and impartial arbiter yeah all right and so how how is the relationship that uh, how is he handled being thrown in or thrown between the two of you
3: well we i mean we he we don't rely on him to be a, a neutral person in the fight yeah mm-hmm. we oftentimes we're like me and charles can't kind of come to a conclusion on this thing what do you think lane and he'll be like uh charles is right this time and then they'll be like steven's right this time mm-hmm. and so like that kind of helps because like it it speeds up the conversation so we're not spending endless amounts of time debating on the intricacies of whether or not finn should be red or orange
4: um <laughs> but that was not a thing that we were worried about i, I
3: yes. know but i'm just i'm just saying
4: <laughs> i just wanted to make that out for the record
3: yeah finn has always been orange yes
4: yes there we go
3: but yeah like that, that i think that has been helpful and i like yeah lane does have his own way of uh programming and designing things so like Actually, I think Charles has, like, been a mediator for me and Lane's arguments on design, too.
4: Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that, that that has been more, because, yeah, you two have more direct uh, things that you do within, like, the development of the game. Yeah. Uh, because it's like talking about uh, the level and the enemy design um, and, like, uh, all the different mechanics and balancing and uh, whether, you, whether or not you should nerf something. <laughs> or buff it, yeah. Or buff it. Uh, and that's where, like, yeah, then I would uh, then I would step in and be like, well uh from an because i'm not as familiar with all these systems i'm able to be like oh well mm-hmm. from a player that is not as in tune with what all these numbers mean mm-hmm. uh this is my opinion on
0: stuff mm-hmm. yeah. and that's the time Stephen, when you have to treat charles uh as little as like your brother as possible yeah yeah
1: <laughs> and, right
3: yeah. honestly in those instances i'm like charles what do you think and i don't I don't say I'm your brother. I'm going to hit you if you don't agree with me or something. <laughs> uh, I just yeah, like
0: one of the we few just... times you 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 approach it that way, right?
4: I, <laughs> I will not threaten you with a noogie. <laughs> yeah, right.
3: <laughs> um, yeah, like uh, in in those instances, it's 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 I guess easy to just think of Charles as like this this person who is also working on this game with us. Mm-hmm. And so like I guess um, I guess that's kind of there's a little bit of that you do have to like like split it up in your mind i think you do have to like sometimes i do like have to think of charles as a coworker and not as uh, a family member mm-hmm. um and so i guess it's like it's weird but like it, it works
4: uh i guess i haven't uh me personally i haven't like had to switch like turned on a switch or i, I haven't been conscious of the switch um of being mm-hmm. like oh yes this is my brother and whatever he is doing i can't just start going like jumping down his throat and be like what the heck bro yeah uh but there are things that i've just learned by just like working with you on like oh uh i should not talk to you about art when you're in the middle of doing some programming thing yep. or i should <laughs> like or i should just like uh get as far into uh this ui thing that i'm working on uh and then bring up this ui uh the, like these choices and things is that like uh yeah uh i tend to uh give like multiple choices of like oh here's three variations of these things that i was thinking about uh and then three is normally the one that always gets selected yep. uh, regardless of whatever it is <laughs> um so so yeah it, like just learning the dynamics of that um and of the like you as a person versus you as a brother uh, has uh really helped but i guess i didn't divide the two uh as two different people but that sure. also could totally be a thing that is happening
3: to be fair i think you're right in that like I, I when i'm programming especially if it's like bug fixes and junk and i and i'm having a hard time with it if somebody asks me a question about an art thing i get frustrated at work too it's not just you it's not like you <laughs> ask me the question in a way that is more annoying than others i think i'm just more explicit about my frustrations to, to you than i would be yeah. to a co-worker is all
0: yeah, I feel when I probably brought similar scenarios to you during Widget Satchel, I probably got a lot more of a measured, uh, a keep, <laughs> keep clenched response than yeah. Charles would probably have gotten.
3: I will admit it did happen a few times, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like, and it's not your fault. It's just I was busy trying to deal with the thing and I was tired yeah. and I didn't want to. Well,
2: yeah. you're doing the mental equivalent of lifting a heavy box, carrying it up some stairs and someone comes to you and you're like, hey, can I put this on top?
1: Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
2: Yeah. You got some space out there, right? Yeah.
4: Hey, yeah. can I put this in your pocket really quick? Just right. be as awkward <laughs> as possible. Uh, it's just one pound. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. <just> one
3: pound. <sighs> well, I mean, I'm not the only one who's been working with um, family members on the show. Uh, mm-hmm. Mark, you've been working with Dale on Reravel, right? Yes. I don't know that you've been working mm-hmm. on it a lot recently, but...
0: No, actually, since quarantine hit, um, mm-hmm. Dale has uh, stopped working on Reravel and is mostly now playing Civilization um, Six. <laughs> okay, but- <laughs> Which seems Not like an equally place. good use of her time. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, uh, long-time listeners will know that we did a nice games jam. I, it might have been as long as a year ago now. I don't mm. remember, but it was quite a while ago at this point where, we, uh, where Dale uh, guested on the show and we, we came up with a card game called Reravel. We really, really liked it. Um, uh, speaking of Lane, your partner in finjins, he loves that game and has yeah. been very positive and encouraging about continuing to work on it. And, mm. uh, and Dale in particular... Um, sort of cracked a couple of problems the first version of the game had. And and uh, uh, with her not having a background in game design and mostly just hanging around me and around this community and, and helping with with the community, she's been a part of it, but has never uh, uh, considered herself a game designer. But now she's she is taking lead on this project. And so I'm there mostly as support for her. Um, and that's something that I think between the two of us, I I want to make sure that I maintain my support role. Like I was there when the game got made and I had a lot to do with its inception, but uh, it's not just because it's something for her to have for her own. It's Mm -hmm. that she really cracked it. Like we, it was a good idea. And then she had like two or three genius notions that took the game to another level. And so what that meant was that she's the person to take it forward. And so I, I, I'm trying to be very careful to make sure that, that when she asks me questions or or when I have ideas or when I'm helping her, that it's mostly a case of, Giving her the language to develop, rather than necessarily um, being as much a, a co-owner of the project. So that's the that's what we've tried to do, and mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons why I haven't pressured her to continue working on it. Because one of the things that I have in a collaborative environment is I move too quickly, and I mm-hmm. will. I I very much want to get people on board, but I'm I feel I'm always pushing people past the speed they want to go, and so I I so I will find myself just leapfrogging and start making decisions and moving forward. And I try to be very careful about not doing that. And I I don't know how good I am at it. Uh, um, I think that's probably something that I'm going to need to work on a lot more teams uh, for probably seven years or longer, like the two of you have, (laughs) to to get better at that element of it. And so I've been been trying to really let Dale continue uh, this project at at her pace, but I'm very anxious to keep working on it. Mm -hmm. Like, really, really, because it's so good. And mm-hmm. uh, even, even uh, the, just before, you know, everything uh, um, we all sort of hold up and, work, and sort of just regular work on that game stopped, she had just implemented a couple of new really good ideas um, that we refined together that were really, really good. Um, yeah. so, so that process has been really rewarding. Like I do, I lo- I do love playing that support role, if, but I have mm-hmm. to sort of define it for myself um, mm-hmm. and then and keep a check on it, I think.
2: Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. not really co developed You're like a mentor or a coach in some way.
0: Yeah, yeah, and but I and I also can't let that be too defining either. You know what right. I mean? I, I don't know. It's um, it's uh, it, it's it's evolving, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Well, I mean, y- y'all have been married for a, a long time.
0: Yeah, we've been together thing. for ages. We're like best yeah. pals. Like we we <laughs> do have a good um. I mean, we have an excellent relationship for one, mm-hmm. but we've and we have worked together on some things. Um, yeah. uh, you know, we've uh, um uh, uh, more informally, and so we already have kind of a working relationship style, more okay. or less. Um, it's all just things here and there, right? It's the kind of things yeah. that anyone, any couple that's been long enough together will like build a bookshelf together, right? Right. It's it's, sure. it's uh it's it's above that, but it's in that kind of area, right? Yeah. Um, but like we, you know, when um when we were doing VR nights uh, monthly, uh, um, we'd have people to play all our VR systems. Like we did that event together, and that was something that was a case where um it was every month we would we'd sort of sit together and say okay what did we learn that can make it better next month and so that was a fun project we did together it was my event and then she vol- said volunteered to help and then it very quickly became our event and I, re- yeah. I really really liked that um and so um that was a lot of fun because that was a totally different dynamic where mm-hmm. um she was the assist for me on that but we ended yeah. up being sort of co-owners on that ultimately um which is pretty good. And so yeah. I think after Reravel, um like I I definitely want to see that game through. I would love to see Dale get it published um as a card game. I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of potential. Everyone who's seen it has fallen in love with it. And yeah. I would I would love and it's not Dale's career, but I do have a fantasy that like then she can make the her next game and I can be there to help. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm really I'm so, I'm excited about that, but that's it's so far off it's still fantasy right now.
3: Yeah. Well, do you find that like your home dynamic um, mm-hmm. impacts like your working dynamic at all? I mean, I guess you had said that like you have worked together on projects in the past, but it sounds yeah. like those were more like home projects. Um, whereas yeah. like this is more of a like a, it, it, you have to establish a working relationship. Does that like changed? I think things? part
0: of it is that uh, we share this a little bit like we um, uh, there's the context switching that Ellen was talking about between yeah. like a professional environment or a personal environment or uh, visiting family versus friends versus these friends versus that friends. That's a sort of a social mm-hmm. dynamic that a lot of people have. And so your question is very natural, right? It's like, this is a different environment, a different context. So are we different with each other? And yeah. we both share a disinterest in context switching at a personal level. Right. Like if, if you work with me in an office, I'm pretty much the same. I don't like the idea of being a different person in a different place. And mm-hmm. I don't know how much of that is just me being stubborn about that. Like there are times when that's beneficial to to, to um, uh, productivity, perhaps. Um, but I try to be the same person um, on a Friday night watching a movie with friends that I would be at a 2 p.m. meeting with people. Yeah. And so if that mm-hmm. means I, if that if, if and that's kind of important to me almost. And uh, Dale and I share that partly because we've lived together for so long. So we've influenced each other in that way.
1: Mm-hmm. And so
0: I've definitely found that when we work together, it, it does does feel like we're just deciding what what to have for dinner. Is, okay. is is the same kind of conversations. Yeah. I don't know if that's correct. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know if that's the if that's better or worse, but it works for us.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mm-hmm. think that means it's good, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to hear you talk about that, that that dynamic, that because like it's very different from the way that Eric and I, my husband Eric and I, engage with projects together, because yeah. we are generally a little bit. Whenever we start something together, we first talk about like roles and expectations and who's doing what. And it's, it's not like, okay, so my expectation is you're going to do this and you're going to do this. It's okay. So these are the things that need to be doing. We need to be doing, and I I feel more comfortable with this. And you, I'm guessing you feel more comfortable with this. Yes. And we kind of negotiate back and forth and we do this negotiation and then we just go off and execute. And both Eric and I are certified in scrum. um, And so we kind of, we kind of use that a lot. Actually, we use like the, the mechanics and of scrum to get stuff done around the house. We've never done anything like particularly creative together of our own volition. Mm-hmm. We would be taking some creative courses together mm-hmm. where we went and we took a course, like a blacksmithing course or something like that.
3: Ooh,
0: wow. You you took a blacksmithing course? Yeah, we <laughs> You gotta make us stuff.
2: <laughs> we did. It was like a, a one day workshop or something like that. And mm-hmm. we we made like a bottle opener and well, Eric made a bottle opener. I did something. <laughs> like, okay. i made a metal i shaped some metal
3: cool mm-hmm. cool
2: that's what mm-hmm. i've done well <laughs> equally as functional though so <laughs> i think you're on top but yeah like we i would really love to to do some game development with eric he's got such a different mind than i do
0: hmm but you're both so organized. Yeah, but so I bet I, I bet that would be really multiplicative. Like you, you, you because you have that experience working together and using those professional techniques to work on things around the house. I bet those differences in your like creative personalities would be really yes. really amazing as a team. Mm-hmm. That's my guess. Yes.
2: There's actually actually I can think of one example where we did do something creative together. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was working with his sister to start a business. Um, she was starting a coaching business. And they wanted to run it together um, and they needed help coming up with a name. And they were just like racking their brains about it. They couldn't figure it out. And they were just like, wait, no, no. And Eric said, Ellen's good at this. Ellen can facilitate creative discussion. Come over here and sit at the table with us. And in the next 15 minutes, we figured out a great name.
5: Mm
2: -hmm. He's, I think, really good at thinking strategically about where things need to go. And I'm better at thinking about how to get people excited to do it. So we share different parts of the vision and the execution. And I think that could I think that could be really powerful. The only problem is we totally like different types of games. Mm, Yeah, (laughs) so I'm not sure whether we'll ever get the chance to do something, maybe something like with tabletop RPGs, because we both really love playing D&D and um, like fate and stuff like that. And we like different aspects of those games. So I think that could be something. There we go. Here's my new goal. (laughs) Well, I I
3: think that's good, like because like if you have that that dynamic where you're both interested in different aspects of the thing, you can, well, you can both feel confident that, like, an aspect of a game that you are not as interested in is being um, supported by somebody, yeah, and yeah. you can feel like you can advocate for that um, aspect of the game in a, in, in a way that, like, I think
0: will make you as a team work well. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. both like process, so you can each learn enough about the other's goals and expertise to be able to stitch it together with the thing that you are particularly interested or adept at without it Mm -hmm. being two separate, unrelated things. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of confidence in this team.
2: Yeah. (laughs) All right, we just (laughs) got to find something to do. (laughs) Well, and I guess one thing that's kind of some closing thoughts is like the kind of challenges we've been talking about, challenges and benefits in talking about how am I going to make this a sentence (laughs) in the different dynamics we've talked about with the different people who've been part of this conversation and the different people who've been the subject of the conversation, like these are just, these are actually challenges that you're going to have to deal with no matter who you're working with. It's just that I think in, if you're working in a professional environment, not working someone that you're close to, you have the option of just being like, yeah, that guy's a jerk today, whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, like, Mm -hmm. And, or that guy's just a jerk in general. I only have to deal with him a couple of times a week. No problem. Right. Right. If you're working with family or someone who's close to you, no, you're invested in that relationship first. You've right. got to figure out how to work through those problems in order yep. to be, to continue to exist together.
0: So, yeah. Right. You can hate your boss and still do great work. Right? Yeah. Yep. It's yep. not true. as easy. Potentially. Oh. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it's, yeah, it's not, it's hard, but uh, it's not, <laughs> yeah. it's not an immediate, Barrier necessarily, yeah. there, you know. I think we on the show have advocated against like uh, working cultures that are not also healthy social structures, right? Um, yeah, but it, it's it, it's. I think it's foolish just to uh, say that there hasn't been great work produced from like human strife. Yeah, but there. But amongst working with family, that's not a road you can go down. That's good mm-hmm. that you can't, I guess. But it means if you're not if you don't have the skills or the experience to steer away from those. I'm I'm trying to keep with the driving metaphor here, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you can't move away from that kind of an outcome, uh, then, uh, it can be difficult, especially if you are in an other situations, a little more tolerant of some friction between people socially in service of a positive working outcome. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you can't have, you have to have less of a tolerance for that. I think, I mean, unless you're a McGregor, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's how we thrive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: tension that drives us Yes.
0: yeah <laughs> hey that's our show uh check out our website nicegames.club for show notes and links to resources on today's topics if you like this episode give us a review on your favorite podcast app and tell your friends independent podcasts like ours need word of mouth to grow we love hearing from our listeners a quick way to give us feedback for the show is to head over to nicegames.club feedback and fill out a short little form you can also get in touch with your nice host on Twitter at Nice Games Club, where Dale tweets about game dev resources and a play date bucket. What is that? You'll have to follow us to find out. Or you can email us through contact at NiceGames.Club. Ask us questions, suggest topics, or just say hello. So until we start again, remember to... Play nice. And make Nice. I almost want to do it again where, uh, Stephen, you go, play nice, brother. <laughs> <laughs> brother.
6: As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming.